0: Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource. And I'm John Fensterwald, Editor-at-Large at EdSource. Well, John, this week the big news was the governor's budget. This was his last budget, his eighth during his current governorship, and his 16th, if you include his terms of office in the 1970s and early 80s, more than any other governor in California's history. He was his usual pessimistic self predicting a recession at any moment and saying we need to put as much money in the rainy day fund that he has been working on assiduously and is now in the multi-billion dollar range.
1: That's right, about $13 billion after this next year.
0: If the money actually comes in and the legislature agrees to put it there, I guess.
1: Right. That is a qualification.
0: Despite the governor's frugality in general, there's a lot of money going into education.
1: Absolutely, Lewis. That's, That's true. And it's funny the way it works. Education funding is by formula, something called Proposition 98. And it says we have a certain amount guaranteed to schools. And this year it's worked well for education. Doesn't always, but this year it does, because the governor can't say, I'm taking some of that money and putting it in a reserve it. Prop 98 says spend it. And so there's about $6 billion for K-12 to be spent.
0: This has been a central part of Governor Brown's term in office, and it's going to be part of his legacy, even though he went out of his way in the press conference saying he does not believe in legacies. He mentioned several governors that people have never heard of, asking The reporters there, Do you know what their legacy was. So he really downplayed that. But it does seem like local control, his local control funding formula, getting money to districts that are serving kids with extra needs, really has been the key pillar of his education policy. And he doubled down on that in his press conference, saying that he still believes in local control, just as he did eight years ago when he came to office. This is what he had to say, and there's a few little clicks there. This was recorded live, and so I think the governor was shuffling some papers, but we thought you'd want to hear what
2: he had to say. Kids learn at home or in the classroom. When that door shuts, there's no legislator, there's no governor. People who want to really help and you have a school that's not performing, go to that school. Go talk to the principal. Find out what they need, but it's going to be basically uh, a bottom-up kind of thing. Local empowerment. That's what it's all about. We elect school boards. Uh, we, uh, we, we live locally, and that's where uh, the problem has to be solved. The age of micromanagement from Washington or Sacramento uh, in the world of education is over.
1: Well, he certainly was very emphatic about that. He may not call the local control funding formula a legacy, but he took a number of steps to make sure it has a lot of staying power after he leaves.
0: There's been a lot of talk over the last few years. When would we get to full funding? for the local control funding formula. That is, when would school districts get the funds in the formula, the full amount for kids, the high-needs kids, the low-income kids, foster kids, and homeless kids are are part of the the target population.
1: Exactly right, and it's been about $20 billion over the last five years. And as the uh, California School Boards Association and others was quick to say, full funding for the formula is not adequate funding for students, but nonetheless, the target funding was met.
0: Okay, that wasn't the only thing in the budget. There were some other really interesting budget items here.
1: Yes, one of which relates to local control, which is to say he's proposing about $70 million to help county offices of education do their job working with districts. It's one thing to say to districts, this is local control. It's another one to give them the support that they need, particularly when they have low-performing student groups and they need to improve that. Districts need help. Here's $70 million from the governor saying... County offices, expand your efforts and help districts.
0: And there was also another $6.5 million for the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence. That's a new and pretty small state agency, which is regarded as a key part of the support paradigm that the state is trying to put in place. In contrast to this very top-down and somewhat punitive paradigm that was in place under No Child Left Behind.
1: That's right. The Collaborative will be working with the counties, actually. This money will be to bring up their expertise as well. And you're right. It is, as Governor said, this is a bottom-up effort which is to say districts will be choosing how to improve their schools, but they need guidance and oversight from the counties. But it's not a prescriptive method, which we're used to under No Child Left Behind.
0: And there has been concern and even criticism of the counties that in many counties, they just don't have the capacity to provide the support that districts potentially would need. And so the governor seems to be taking this quite seriously by putting in, as you just said, $70 million to support the counties. Because isn't this really the heart or the key to making this whole local control funding formula work? If these school districts can't deliver, then the whole plan really is a failure.
1: That's right. And they will start off with the local county to do an analysis of what what is the nature of your problem. Let's understand it. But from that point, districts can choose whom to work with. They may, in fact, go to another county office, a university, a partner, another partnering district.
0: So I have to ask you, though, another big ticket item, really kind of remarkable, $100 million to address the special education teacher shortage in California, which has kind of reached crisis proportions.
1: Yes. The governor has put in money in the past several years and Substantial, I guess one could say, ten million dollars here, twenty-five million dollars there to address the teacher shortage. Here is a hundred million dollars specifically for special education teachers, who are, represent only a, a small portion of overall teachers. Fifty million of that will be for teacher residencies for special education teachers, intensive one-year mentoring programs. That Linda Darling-Hammond, who chairs the California Commission on Teacher Credentialing has always supported, and another $50 million for districts to come up with their own solutions. I think there was a recognition that you had to do it now, and so this is a massive infusion of money to try and deal with this situation right away, because who knows if the next governor will consider this a priority the way that Mike Kirst and may have convinced the governor to see it that way as well.
0: Before we move on to higher ed, I did notice in the budget that he did put a small amount of money, $300,000, to improve the California school dashboard. That's the new school kind of report card with the different color codes and how kids and schools and districts are doing on a range of measures. What was behind that, do you think? Well, I guess
1: it's it's nice fairy dust in the budget. 300000 as you said, out of a $77 billion formula for education, but- I think it's a recognition that it needs improvement. This website is hard to use. Parents have said it's confusing. And I think the message clearly got out. And, you know, this relates to the governor's call it a legacy on local control, because for parents to see the data and make the data useful, they have to have a site and understand it. The thing falls apart if parents in the community don't understand the data that leads to their decisions. And so they're going to bring in experts and try and make it better looking. It's not going to change the criteria for the dashboard some people don't like, but it is hopefully make it a useful site.
0: Well, it definitely needs work. I think anybody who's gone on to the site, uh, it's pretty confusing. And uh, these various pie charts, the explanations are complicated. So encouraging to see that the governor appears to recognize that and put in a little money to improve the site. So
1: let's move on to higher education. Lewis, what were some of the highlights in
0: the governor's budget? Well, very interestingly, one of the highlights was that the governor is kind of taking this concept of local control and applying it to the community colleges, at least in terms of the funding. What he is saying is that every community college will get what it's getting now, but there will be additional funds for the colleges if they meet certain conditions, depending on their enrollment, depending on how many low-income kids or students they serve, depending on the percentage of students who complete their degrees in three years. This is really putting pressure on the community colleges to increase the persistence rates as the kids who persist with a course of study and complete and or transfer to four-year universities
1: and to give them actually incentives to do it. It's a very significant change, as you said. It's no longer every school gets the same amount per student who happens to be enrolled. It gets into, as you say, matters of success and performance and also More money for low-income students.
0: We'll have to see how this plays itself out. Our reporters, uh, Michael Zinstein and Larry Gordon, did some reporting on this. A bunch of other states do have incentive mechanisms like this. And uh, they haven't really translated into increased performance, at least in terms of the available evidence. So there are some suggestions that really one of the things you need to do is to tie this additional funds to low-income kids who succeed, not just to the overall completion rates, for example.
1: Yeah, it took a couple of years to get the local control funding formula for K-12. And of course, we only have one year now. If the governor wants to do this, it's a short amount of time. And as you say, there have to be safeguards and ways to make sure that the system isn't gamed.
0: Well, it's very interesting that the governor ends his governorship focusing on the community colleges, because really, for so many years, the focus has been on UC, number one, as kind of the the crown jewel in California's incredible system of higher education, and then CSU, and then the community colleges kind of were down low and uh, on the totem pole. So it's kind of been flipped during the governor's tenure. Well, what about CSU and UC? During his press conference, Governor Brown was asked by one of the reporters uh, that CSU was unhappy that they weren't getting more money, and he was very testy in his response in, the, in Governor Brown's characteristic blunt manner, and basically told CSU, "You have to
2: manage with what we are giving you. You're getting three percent more, and that's it. They're not going to get any more, and they got to they got to manage. I I, don't, I think they need a little more uh, scrutiny over how they're spending things. It's just because the university is a good." They, they say we've got to have more good, but if you have too much good in certain circumstances, it becomes a bad. So they're going to have to live within their means, and what will happen here is the next recession, they'll have to put everything in reverse, lay people off, raise tuition, and that's not a good thing. So they've got to lower the cost structure, and there are tools to do that, and they need to step up and more creatively engage in the process of making education uh, reasonable and affordable. Well, what is he giving them this year? He's
0: basically giving UC and CSU a 3% increase in funding, which is what was agreed to before. I think there's always a hope that they would get more, but he's kind of sticking to that. And uh, telling them they have to use the funds they have more effectively.
1: Well, okay, well, let's back up. What about early childhood education?
0: Governor Brown has been under pressure throughout his governorship to embrace the concept of universal preschool, which basically means actually subsidized preschool for low income four year olds. There has been progress but we still are not anywhere near universal preschool so a lot of the advocates are actually they're no longer disappointed because i don't think they've been expecting it they are really looking to the next governor to do that. Yeah, I think you're
1: right. His focus has been on K-12
0: and funding that and not expanding that. Yes, he has always said, we just don't have the money for universal preschool. Although I have to say, the governor's director of finance, Michael Cohen, did point out this past week that when the governor came to office, the state had slashed $1 billion from early education programs. I mean, massive cuts. And that now the state is finally... Restore those funds, and there's now $1.2 billion more going into early ed programs than was the case when the governor came to office. So they least restored the cuts, and then some. I think one of the programs is home visitation a very proven and sound investment. The governor did put in more money into home visiting programs and but targeting for the really one of the most marginal parts of our population, families on welfare and to really support families really in the early years when it is really so tough, you know, with infants and toddlers and uh, if you don't have childcare, you can't afford childcare, and you don't have the resources for adequate nutrition and so on, that those families really need support. And this is a significant development over the eight years that the governor has been in office, that there's been a shift, an awareness, not only part of the governor, but in the society generally, that it's the early years that are so important. That Preschool is important, but really you need to go even earlier. This is an issue that's going to be on the table with the next governor. The Democratic candidates that we've interviewed all say that early education is the key. All the Democratic candidates support universal preschool, and the governor was
1: asked, where's the money going to come from? uh, The folks that are running to succeed you have talked about doing uh, universal preschool, single-payer health care, even more money for affordable housing. As you look at your budget this year, can you imagine or talk about where that money might come from?
2: Yeah, taxes. A lot of those things require a ballot measure. just put it on the ballot and tell people... uh, You know, we got a gas tax and now we add one more. We'll have more of this tax, more of that. But the accumulated demand or desire for good, worthwhile programs is greater than the revenue structure. So there's only one answer to that. And that is go back to the people and say, would you like to provide more?
0: John, how much do you think the budget will change by the time May rolls around? I think between now and May, a lot could change. We don't know
1: what the federal tax cuts impact initially will be. Also, revenue could change significantly. Some think that there will be a lot more revenue come May, and there will be negotiations
0: in between. So it's an initial position, and we'll see where it goes. But this does provide the architecture for the next budget that a lot of these initiatives will presumably will go through.
1: I think the things that we talked about, particularly with K-12, that will stand These are the governor's departing principles, and he's going to stick by them.
0: Well, we will be tracking how all this evolves pretty carefully here at EdSource over the next few months. So please go to our website to read our reporting on this. And that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. I'm Lewis Friedberg. I'm John Fensterwald. And we are here with Sarah Tan, our producer. Thumbs up from Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. We also want to thank the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation for sponsoring this podcast.